Did you know that you can stream the best of HBO shows and more with the new Astro? Better than before, no rain interruptions, no repeats. Just stream anytime and on demand via the Astro Ultrabox. It starts from only RM5990 a month, and you can find out more information at astro.com.my. You're listening to the Goggler Podcast with me, Uma. Now, I had the privilege of being invited to this year's edition of the Tokyo International Film Festival. It's in its 36th year, and it's one of the best festivals in the world. You know, the kind that strikes that next to impossible balance between art and mass appeal. Their film selection is truly incredible, and one of the documentaries that I was lucky enough to watch was Emma Ryan Yamazaki's The Making of a Japanese. Now, you may not know this, but Japan has an incredibly unique schooling system. In elementary school, besides studying math and science and all the usual things that you do, Japanese schools also prioritize building a sense of community. Students clean their classrooms and toilets, they take turns to serve each other lunch. Now, Emma spent hundreds of hours documenting all of this in an effort to discover what it is that makes Japanese society tick. Now, I had a chance to sit down with Emma Ryan Yamazaki and speak to her about this magnificent movie that she's made. Have a listen. I love your movie. Oh, you watched it? I watched it this morning. It was really fantastic. And you've answered this obsession that I've had for a very long time. Because... (laughs) I'll tell you where it started. I was in Tokyo maybe three years ago, and I had a taxi driver. And this was the first I had heard of how children in Tokyo go to school. And he was telling us this long story about how, oh, yeah, you know, his kids have got to serve other kids. And things are incredibly chaotic in Malaysia and nothing like that. So (laughs) all of it was new to me. And so, yes, I think you answered a lot of things with your film. And I'm curious as to, before we get into it, Why this school? How did that happen? What inspired you to want to tell that story? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if you were there, I don't know if you're safe for the Q&A, but I got quite emotional after the screening because it's been nine years since I had the idea until today. So today was the first public screening. And so the reason I, I wanted to make a film like this was I went to Japanese public elementary school. But after graduating from there as a 12-year-old, I became more and more Western. I went to then an international school, and then I moved to New York. And so looking back in my life, I realized that everything I learned about being Japanese, I learned in elementary school. And also the traits as I have I have as a person that um, I'm sometimes praised for, especially abroad, like, oh, you're, you're on time, you're so hardworking, you're such a good like right. group, uh, like a group member. I learned this in elementary school. So I realized that so much of kind of like the foundation of myself I learned in these six years. And I thought, you know, and also uh, being abroad, you realize how unique this this Japanese school system is. It's not everywhere that kids are are responsible for their own school. So I thought, gosh, like I I would love to make a film about that one day and kind of use it as a mirror onto society as a way to provide some answers. Like you said about Japan, we're not just about sushi and anime and there's just more to us. And here's maybe like, another reason why we're the way we are but you know nine years ago I I had this is my third feature I had not made a film yet and I wanted it to be a public elementary school in a big city that will allow me to do anything I wanted and that was a very that's a very difficult um, situation to get so it took five years I think to find the right set of um, circumstances and the right kind of 
ultimately the city of Setagaya in Tokyo, um, we, I, we realized that they were going to be the host town for the American team for the Tokyo Olympics. Right. And we thought, oh, maybe like if we present this, you know, because my husband's American, we, make, we do this together. If somehow they might be interested in presenting one of their schools to the to the outside world, the Western world, and on the occasion of the Olympics. In Japan, you always need, I think, a special reason to do something that's never been done before, and we thought the Olympics might be that reason. So eventually, we found the right people, the right supporters, and then we went to some schools within the city, and I found the perfect school with the perfect um, principal, and just, you know, it's a normal school. that I wanted one right. school to really represent any school, but it also, you know, I wanted it to have a lot of kids and kind of be kind of like a, one of the better versions of that, not like a school, like I wanted it to represent Japan in the way that I thought the, the school system does. So we found the school, but then COVID happened, everything stopped, everything was canceled. And then I had to, you know, wonder if I should do it during COVID or wait till everything was over. And I chose to do it during because I thought all these things about being Japanese were actually being accentuated during right. COVID times. And so, and then it took, you know, we filmed... 700 hours and it took me over a year to edit and that's why it's taken so long and so but this is how the the you know long story short this is why you know it took this long and kind of why we ended up with this school in this city well no i think the timing's really great as well because um right now everyone's obsessed with netflix releasing the show about little children doing yeah. errands right yeah. and so to, suddenly there's a global awareness yeah that this might be something normal in japan which yeah. people never knew about yeah Tell me this. I think one of the biggest culture shocks, even on my first trip for Japan, I think the last time I was here, I had come at the beginning of the school season. And of course, to see children do things by themselves or walk by themselves to school when they're that tiny is something we wouldn't dare do in Kuala Lumpur. Yeah. Right. Where does that come from? Well, I think, first of all, Japan is so safe. I think like, right. like that allows, I mean, I think again, these are all things that in Japan you take for granted. And part of my efforts here is by showcasing to the world what we have for Japanese people to also realize some of the wonderful qualities of society, although we're not perfect. And I think, yeah, that, like bottom line, it's like safe enough for and, and adults look out for kids. Am I right in thinking there's this sense that children are everyone's responsibility? I think traditionally, and I think, you know, the whole, I hope that that sense will, as, as we kind of globalize and modernize and it's become less, but I think traditionally, yeah, like, you know, it's kind of like the kids are everybody's responsibility and like we all look out for, I mean, I think that's true in a lot of places in the world, but I think, yeah, like, like it was, of course, kids will walk to school themselves. They're five years old, like six years old. Like, I think it's in a way, it's like a shock that kids don't have that freedom or that, right. that like adults are kind of for whatever reason like don't feel like the kids can be responsible for that um but i think it, the, as a base like japan is safe enough to do that we're not worried about guns or i don't right. know like just, yeah. just things uh, things like that yeah there is a moment in your movie which i found pretty enlightening when the supervisor or official shows up mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he's like oh we need to change the way we do things in japan mm. because it's a double-edged sword yes and i thought that kind of self-awareness from is he a government official he's like a former yeah he, he right? used to be yeah he's just a professor at this it's, point. it's it's rare yeah that kind of self-awareness but you didn't ex actually expound on it so do you have any idea what they're changing or why they're changing it my experience filming in this school for one year is 
everything is a double-edged sword. Like the best and worst things about, I think, Japan society, Japanese school is just that fine line. Like the wonderful things that come with teamwork and a group mentality can be, if you do it one step too much, it goes with like a suffocation of the individual spirits, right? Yeah. So it's all this fine line. And I think it's like that fine balance is very tricky. And, it, you right. know, sometimes it goes in the positive way and it's like, you know, almost like sometimes it goes in the negative way. And I think that double-edged sword, it's with everything, you know, you can, you know, clean, you can, you can, the kids can like learn to like fix their own shoes to be tidy. But if they start grading each other on how tidy <laughs> their shoes are, then what does that lead to? And like, you know, I think like the professor says, like, you know, too much of that can lead to bullying or it's just all a fine line. Although I really admire that spirit. Right. So yeah. it's just, I think that's what I felt filming. And then also I have a comparison point from almost 30 years ago when I was an elementary school student and now, and I think in doing that, I see the changes being back in my time, it was a lot more group mentality and also strict, like teachers pushing you, pushing you to, right. to be better, but also sometimes breaking you. And I think now the times have changed so that, you know, I think some of you see some of the teachers in my film struggle about how strict they should be because I think the times have changed so much. And, you know, your parents complain and, you know, there's like a different standard of like, you yeah. know, I mean, you know, like many places in the world, Japan used to like hit their kids until however many decades ago. So right. it's just a, a, an evolution of like what is correct, what is okay. Um, so I think all of that is in play and there's, there is a conscious effort to respect the individual more and like like a child has rights to, to be a you know a child and you can't just tell them what to do and be strict about it but it's still not as much as the west and i think also and i also don't think it should be i think japan needs to realize the good things about what they do they have to be aware of their strengths and weaknesses to make changes and i'm sometimes worried that they're not aware of their strengths because it's so normal to them yeah and part of my efforts i guess to make this film is to present those it's so normal but it's amazing look at the world responding to it you know? oh correct and i think you're absolutely right because i think one of the things that i noticed in your film as well was uh, it was just little things the conversations that teachers were having about oh oh the child has a right to feel disappointed and I don't think they would have said that 20 years ago. Yeah. I think, well, you're a kid, shut yeah. up, whatever, right? And I think that awareness is really cool. Mm. Yeah, because throughout the film, I was like, just going, what are you talking about, Endo? You're doing a great job. Don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> just for talking about that conformity, I'm curious whether things change when they go to middle school. Because I guess the idea behind such rigidity is often conformity. And yet... Japan does not suffer from a lack of creativity. You have some of the best movies, anime, art. It's, it works. And mm. to do that, you require a certain freedom of thought, mm. which often runs in contrast with that sort of rigidity, mm, right? Mm, so mm. what happens? How do you, what explains that? Interesting. I feel like something definitely happens in middle school that I can't say I'm an expert on. I didn't, that's not what I filmed. I also didn't go to Japanese middle school, but something that works in Japanese elementary school, I think. I mean, you put a positive spin on it, but I'm going to say, like, when your identity is based on how you belong to a group, mm -hmm. I think that's that works well in your young childhood. But once you're a teenager, once you kind of also have self-awareness and have, you know, where you kind of want to express your individuality even more, it comes at a conflict to that, how your identity, identity is built to group. So I think I'm not... It just feels like something... This stops working and this is somewhere somewhere between graduating elementary school and right. adulthood um that is a 
maybe Japan needs to work on or like it's just the double-edged sword of the system. Right. I don't want to, you know, these are just kind of my feelings because yeah. I, I haven't thoroughly examined it. But at the same time, it's true. Like th- those who figure out that balance end up with like a foundation of, you know, conformity and kind of good work ethic and learning how to, you know, working well with good plus that kind of creativity, individuality. I think I got that by switching school systems to like an English speaking system. But I think it, it done well, done if we get that balance out, I think Japanese society will thrive more. But I think mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say right now, I think like something when, when your identity is based on group, I think at some point when there's too much of that, as you get older, um, more problems arise that my film doesn't explore. But I think when you think about the societal issues Japan has, like some of what the professor was saying, we have a high suicide rate. We, right, um, a lot of people don't leave their homes, like these kind of things that you don't see directly in my elementary school film. But I feel like you see the foundations of a potentially positive out uh, like a path, but it's all a double-edged sword. So depending on the mixture of personality and environment you know when you fall off that mainstream japanese society it's it's not very easy you're right because i kept thinking about little boys going to school but actually already looking like little salarymen because (laughs) of the way they dress right and you end up wearing the same clothes until you're 70 essentially (laughs) and i guess that could be problematic i want to talk to you about the social consciousness it creates because i think the one thing, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm speaking entirely as an outsider, but the one thing I've noticed about Japan is that the reason the toilets are clean is not because people are afraid of punishment. It's clean because they're thinking about the next person who has to use it. Mm-hmm. And that's not something I find in the West. It's not something I find in Malaysia. We've got neighbors down south in Singapore and their toilets are clean, but they're just afraid of being fined. Mm. So it's a very different motivation. Yeah, Is that accurate? I think so. I think that's spot on. I think, and I think, I mean, even today watching my own film for the first time in a, in a while, what struck me was the consideration for others that even these first graders right. feel and they're just nurtured into, you know, this, this feeling that you must care about more about others, maybe at the cost of yourself, yes. but that, but, but it's also, it's so much like, um, yeah, kindness and this kind of like that automatic, not automatic, but like nurtured, feeling of like caring about the community you belong to, the group that you belong to and feeling responsible for that. And the beauty of that, you know, especially at that young age, I think that is like Japan's strengths, you know, and I think what you just said is is correct. And I hope Japan realizes how special that is. It's not something, but we're also not born with that. I think the right. a big motivation in making this film is when we, when people are like, oh, the Japanese is this, or Japan is like this, I'm like, yes, but we weren't born that way. That's why I wanted to make this film. We're we're taught that way, and so therefore, it's not. It's also not a given. You know, if education changes, society will change, Japan will change, and change is necessary. But I'm really hoping that the right change will occur, which comes with an awareness of the strengths and weaknesses of the system. Which I'm hoping that because I have reference points outside of Japan too, I now have this awareness. And I'm trying to pack it all into a film. I was wondering if you noticed, and I don't know if it's hard to pick these things up with little kids, but was there a difference between the time you were in school and then the kind of first to sixth graders you're seeing beyond the obvious stuff, beyond the social media, Mm -hmm. phone nonsense? Was there a difference beyond that? Did you notice anything? I I think two things. Um, One I alluded to already, but I think like the times have changed that calls for like 
more sensitive kids, meaning like, sure. you know, like my teachers yelled at me and I would be upset. And that was that. Like, okay. yeah. and, and now it's like, you know, the, the right of the child or like, is is more considered i think to a healthy degree you know yeah. i sometimes miss in situations like really you're not going to push that kid any further because they probably could handle could it, use it. Yeah. so that was like something i kept wondering myself but each teacher has different styles i also appreciated like the diverse styles of the teachers it's not just this one kind of strict <laughs> teacher that kind of dictates there was this kind of like kind of more touchy like a, not touchy feeling don't say that like, that's not allowed but like like emotional kind <laughs> no, of, i get what you the mean kind emotional of, touchy feeling a bit more like yeah. instructional but yeah. kind of lead by example type yeah. of teachers that i appreciated yeah another thing is um although covid is not the main topic of the film the it was definitely the back gun. I think like what I what I really saw also was, you know, and I think the true amount of the loss of those years for children will is yet to come. I think yeah. studies will be made, but I think um, that was going on. You know, I think like just the kids, nor like just learning to live with disappointment um, that they can't control, and I think that's only happens. You know previously when there's like a natural disaster and you just have to like tolerate the aftermath of our community earthquake or something like this but this was happening you know especially to the sixth graders for a couple of years just kind of things being taken away from them and I think despite that being demanded to continue like keep going um yeah. as, as children you know that one boy says he doesn't want to grow up yet I think there's many dimensions to that but I did wonder also maybe because he subconsciously felt like, you know, some of it had been kind of taken away. I, I, that was something I felt that obviously I didn't have to deal with when I was a kid. So in your conversation with teachers um, and I guess even some of the parents, was there a concern that because I'm assuming the parents would have come from your generation mm -hmm. of schooling? Maybe. Mm -hmm. And have we skipped past that generation here? Like are the young parents of today uh, more aware of this need for a lighter touch? I think we're currently in like a mixed bag situation, okay. which maybe is healthy, right? I and think, is that a class thing? Like, is it a... I think like some some parents have this like, well, this was good for me, so the kids should have this. And then other parents are like, well, this wasn't good for me, so I'm not going to do that. So I think depending on my generation's experience of our parents and the education system at that time, there's this like, even, you know, I think people, some people watch this film. I think some people watch this film in Japan and if they associate elementary school with like a positive time in their life, they'll right. see the film a certain way. And if they just didn't really enjoy everything they're seeing, they'll associate it another way. So I think this is some of that going on. Um, what I think all the teachers were saying and also what I felt was, you know, when I was in elementary school almost three decades ago, the teacher and a school was kind of like held further up on a pedestal. Like the community looked at the school. Even parents would use, you know, I always, you know, in, in Japan, there are so many like days where parents can come watch school. Right. Not for, not on days kids do anything special, just regular just class, regular days. which like, I feel like in the U.S., parents only come to school when the the kid is doing something special. Right. So, but I think that was always so that parents could also learn, oh, this is what my kid is doing at school. Therefore, I, the school is kind of like, you know, indirectly saying, so this is what you should do at home. Yeah. And that, that and the, the teachers were held very well respected in a way, not questioned. I think we've now entered a phase where I know that teacher, 
have to spend the most time dealing with complaints from parents oh, and that has totally changed and that's probably universal too but a lot of that going on that's made things more complicated yeah there's a god knows i have goddaughters whose parents are on whatsapp groups with other parents yeah. and it feels like chaos yeah it feels like utter chaos right yeah but in your conversation with parents and teachers did they tell you even from their own past how much of that stuff stuck with them is that something that you felt carries through so the idea of keeping your shoes straight or um, i think the serving each other is the best thing ever and every country should adopt that like i think then you understand so much more about just being kind mm, mm. um but how much of that sticks what i think was sh- shocking even beyond what i expected was the lack of awareness from like a regular japanese person that any of those things have stuck with them or that is special like i think it becomes innate yeah like it's inherent like a, like i think it takes an outsider to be like oh my god look these shoes are neat not just in schools anywhere in japan right. like the shoes are automatically neat and to be like well of course it is or like what these traits that it's a base like generally japanese people learn is so taken for granted that it's not it's not, yes they carry them with them but they're not aware of it so when even i think when i show certain scenes to a japanese person they'll be like this is just a regular day day in the life of a school and i'm like yes it is but at least we've tried to film it in such a way that it, should, it accentuates the beauty and the stories around it that you know i think also it being showed to the world and then coming back to japan will help yeah. accentuate that because i think otherwise people don't it's so normal it's like okay what and it is taken that's why i feel like when i talk about how amazing i think these things are they the parents and teachers appreciate that in a new light this is something they've never thought about in that's a way cool. yeah yeah um i which is crazy yeah crazy in a way but no i but i think you're right i think we never kind of noticed it i've been trying to so back in the 1980s our prime minister had visited japan and there was a huge kind of look east policy in the country and our current prime minister brought it up again and he was saying oh no we need to look to japan in our schools where everyone needs to start cleaning their own toilets and it's interesting because i think the reaction was too some of the younger parents were like oh why should my children be why should my child be cleaning toilets mm-hmm. and then the other side was like oh no this is good teach them something yeah, right yeah. and so i think even in malaysia there is that split response but if you're saying that it's inherent and innate then i think you've moved past that stage of debate because it just feels like something normal i think that's a good thing well in a way but i feel like there's a lot of everything that hits the J- japanese news about japanese education these days is very negative it's like oh like you know the, there's not enough people who want to be teachers because teachers are overworked and there's just so much to, like it's just all so much work and other kids being like conform too much and oh like this teacher you know is is like quite negative and i think it's because like the perspective of taking a step back is like okay but like all the kids clean their own classrooms oh but all the kids serve each other lunch like that like that perspective i think would help of course there are issues and there should yeah. be like discussions about how to address those but i feel like i'm hoping that my film can contribute to like that one step back also to just be like hey but there are because i think the the motivation for as educators you know just to be constantly kind of criticized at different levels from society instead of being appreciated for like the foundations they're laying for these next generation adults um i think that's kind of missing what's interesting is i don't know if you're aware but i'm actually doing like a side project because egypt like the e- egyptian president decided they wanted to he wanted to do a japanese school in egypt like uh this point 7 8 years ago and it's right. it is sticking or at least now it, it was like a top down initiative but it's 
actually gaining such popularity. Um, if all oh, wow. if, if nothing changes, I'm actually going there next week to to film Egyptian schools that do this stuff. Um, to, as a way, another way to show Japan how special what we're doing are. Yeah. So you know, it's interesting. I think different countries have sometimes looked at us for that, but asked if anybody in Japan would. Like this would shock anybody in Japan. What really Malaysia wanted to do this, but Egypt, you know, right. because it's it's such a normal basic part. And I think I think in general Japan would be a happier place if society could realize the the simple basic things that are amazing in the way that as far in a way like you know outsiders or people that have experienced outside places can appreciate. And that's kind of what I try to. Of course, I I I, I I'm happy to criticize and get critical when. It's necessary, but I think yeah. that's kind of my strength of like as as a filmmaker too. Oh no, I totally agree with you. We're always complaining about what things are like in Malaysia because we're so entrenched in it, and we don't necessarily realize the good stuff that we have mm. until you actually see it from the outside. Which is what I think your movie does very well. Before I go, I need to talk to you about the kids and some of the moments you captured are absolutely beautiful. The kid with the symbols, man. I was like, there was a guy sitting next to me and he was stone cold and I was trying to wipe my tears <laughs> and I was trying to do it in a cool way. But like, but I thought that was brilliant because I thought the music teacher did exactly what you spoke of. That balance of knowing just how much to push her. Yes, of course, she's going to cry. She's a child. But then coming back later and being like, I know you can do it. I thought that was fantastic. Talk to me about capturing those stories. Mm -hmm. uh, with 700 hours of footage, I'm assuming you had a lot of children. I did. But it's amazing that I think, unlike some other films I've done, ultimately, a regular day in elementary school is pretty, not mundane, but it's not like dramatic. It's not like people, not, it's not like kids are crying or someone asked me about kids fighting. It's not like, like it's a peaceful, healthy environment where it's routine and typical and these kids are learning how to count and yeah. how to vocabulary and so I think like you you're waiting for those moments you're waiting for something to happen that's out of the ordinary and then to be in place so for the kids to be comfortable enough with you for the teachers to allow to you to just be there to just let it unfold whatever it is and the, those those are the only moments that make the film so there's like so much of just like just very stuff. boring you know you would never want to, you know I mean of course even you know, like, yeah, there's a limit of, like, how interesting <laughs> first grade life is to an adult. So, yeah, I mean, I think, but I had a great team, you know, like, and I, you know, I, I, I don't do a camera myself. I don't do sound myself. Like, it just takes a team of dedicated, long-term, you yeah. know, this is a dream project. Like, no one gets to film 150 days in a documentary. Um, so this was very special. And, and only because of that, we could capture these moments it's not you can't go in and out and do do what i think we did which is why i think hopefully our film is quite special that was director emma ryan yamazaki her documentary is called the making of a japanese i was lucky enough to watch it at the tokyo international film festival 2023 it's not out yet but we will let you know when and where it's available to watch as soon as it is thank you so much for listening this is the Goggler Podcast.